Okay, so we're in Proverbs. We probably have one more sermon in Proverbs, which will be next week. And then we're marching on to Isaiah, four to six sermons in Isaiah. And after that, we're marching on to the life of David, four to six sermons in the life of David. So that gives you an idea of where we're going. Uh, But here's the scoop about today's text. I just have to be honest with you. Sometimes stuff happens during the week and Sometimes you don't want to reveal what goes on, and sometimes you do because it involves you. So I thought, I need to let you in on what's going on because this does involve you. Here's the scoop about today's text. I should have quit this text on Thursday when I had the chance. That's the scoop. Uh, On Thursday, I actually mumbled out loud because, you know, we were all like, you know, in our worlds, frozen worlds at the time. Scrap it. Scrap it, scrap it, scrap this text. I worked hard on this text. I spent long hours on this text. I tried to make it work, but the text wouldn't bend. The text wouldn't work. It didn't happen. I should have cut my losses and moved on. I should have said, because I actually was saying, hey, I thought to myself, it's Thursday. Thursday, usually because I don't even work on my sermon on Thursday, but again, there was this moment where I was sitting there in the morning, and I'm like, because I couldn't, I couldn't figure out what this text was all about. It wouldn't yield to me. And I said, hey, just throw something together. Nobody will know and just do it on Sunday. (laughs) That's what I was thinking, right? And some of you are thinking right now, Jeff, you're so dramatic. So dramatic, Jeff. I've been known to be a dramatic or two. But we'll see. We'll see if you don't say, Jeff, you should have scrapped that text on Thursday. So the book of Proverbs It has sticky statements, right? It has wise sayings. Uh, These wise sayings or sticky statements about how things are generally follow three tracks. You can kind of organize them under three tracks. You have a track of wisdom about how to connect with God. That's called the fear of the Lord. Remember, that's the first thing we looked at. Uh, This is living by faith in the New Testament. This is not living by terror This is living by faith as a sinner, okay? Now, when you live by faith as a sinner, faith carries a whole comprehensive boatload of all kinds of emotions that range the whole spectrum of being a human being. So even doubt is in there. Uh, Anger at God is in there. It's all in there, okay? Now, the opposite of track one, the opposite of connecting to God would be what? Sin. That would be alienation. That would be a form of decreation, right? Okay, we've done three sermons on track one. We've done how to live in a fallen world, you have a heart, and here be lions. Okay, that's happened. Track number two is wisdom that talks about connecting to a mission in life. This is where the topics involve all of God's creation, the way God made things. It's just how it works. It's just how it is. It's just the way it is, right? Topics like work and money. Did you know that sex is one of the largest topics covered in the book of Proverbs? So I I should have done something on that. I should have scrapped what I'm doing now and just did that. I actually got permission. I said, honey, should I do that? She's like, honey, let's not do that. So I didn't do that. You can blame it on her, my wife, my bride. Topics like time, glory, honor, uh, shame, 
Uh, these are all in there. So the opposite of connecting to your mission, the opposite of connecting to work, the opposite of connecting to the world would be what? Nothingness. Meaninglessness. Emptiness. Solomon wrote a whole book on it called Vanity, he says in Ecclesiastes, right? It is a decreation. If, if we're not engaged in mission, we're decreating. If we're not working, we're decreating. Do you see how this works? Okay, so that brings us to today. That brings us to the third track. This track is wisdom about connecting to relationships, meaningful relationships. So this is marriage. This is family. This is brother and sister. This is grandparents. Uh, this is your relationships at work. This is your classmates, your teams. This is your book clubs and people that you get together with that you're connecting over something, right? You're, you're C.S. Lewis standing side by side looking at the same thing. What? You two? That dynamic. Relationships is a big deal in Proverbs. It's even the words and the communication are talked about in Proverbs, like the things we say to each other about our relationships. This is why I picked today's text. Man, I wanted a positive text to push us to deepen our relationships. I wanted an inspirational text to like motivate you, motivate me to go deep in connecting with one another. Here is a community in your homes, at work, in the community, making friends with the person that annoys you in the culture. That's what I wanted to do. A powerful text that would actually connect us on the spot. If you're new here, one of the things that we talk about life change, we talk about life change on the spot here. Not like, oh, I need to write down those three points and now go apply them to my life and maybe Wednesday I change. We believe that preaching is a divine event, that Jesus shows up and when he does, you change on the spot. And that that's what preaching's designed for, not for notes to take home. It's to be experienced. Okay? So that's what I was all into, right? That's what I want. But instead, when I opened this text and I, I tried to make this text work, instead I got opposite day. The exact opposite. After hours of work in this text, it's like, and I'm, I, I have a hard time like giving up on something. So I, that's part of probably what's happened here. So my neurosis is here before all of you right now. I should have got rid of the text on Thursday. But opposite day, here's what I got. Hey, you, you wanting to make friends, you wanting to be a friend, you wanting to learn how to connect with people, here's what I got. Here's how to be lonely. Hey, you, you married couple that are so in love, you married couple that are learning and doing life together, you married couple that are having children, well, here's how to wreck your marriage. Hey, you church, you church that has this gospel vision, you church that like are learning to be spoken back to life again and learning to build your messy lives around Jesus and learning to do it together, not alone, together, looking around and saying, hey, an unshockable community, experiencing a culture of God's work and grace, his works in our life, of wanting to be connected, of 
wanting to find out, like, how do we love and learn to be friends and, and learn to do this together, the Christian life. You that have, like, got, like, we have this gospel vision for the city of Waco. Hey, here's how, this text says, here's how you can burn it all to the ground. Dang, Jeff, you should have quit this text on Thursday when you had a chance. Yep, I thought you'd see things my way. Please stand for the hearing of God's word. Genesis 2, 18, that's kind of be like, this is like the, the big idea over the whole thing, okay? This kind of sets the stage. Then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. Now, here's our text. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Uh, the day is being treated as like a mother that produces an offspring, okay? So the day brings something. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. A stranger, a stranger meaning not a family member, uh, but a friend. It doesn't mean like you don't know them. Uh, it just means more of a friend as opposed to, you know, your wife or your child or whatever. Uh, not your own lips. A stone is heavy and a sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. One who is full loathes honey, but one who is hungry, everything bitter is sweet. Like a bird that strays from its nest is a man who strays from his home. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. So do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity, because better is a neighbor who is near than a brother who is far away. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you would shine on the page. We need your illumination. We need your encouragement. We need you, Jesus, to show up. And that's what we're asking, that you would show up in this text and change us on the spot by the power of your spirit. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Okay, so when we were reading that text, did you get it? you understand the text? Did you understand all the metaphors? See how this thing works? Yeah, okay, now you feel my pain. That's what I was like all week. Genesis 2.18, then the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper fit for him. It's not good for man to be alone. This is how life works. It's just as simple as that. It's how you work. You are not made to be alone. It's how you work. It's how life works. It's how your mom works. It's how your sister works. It's how your wife works. It's how your boss works. It's how your coach works. It's how your teacher works. It's how that jerk at school works. It's how we work, okay? This is why loneliness is painful. This is why relational wreckage is painful. This is why the loss of community is painful. Not even your pet lizard can fill this relational void. Now, you and I know that if there's any pet that can fill that void, it's going to be a dog, right? Never a cat but definitely a dog. 
It is not good that man should be alone. This is why there is a rapidly rising rate of people indicating chronic loneliness in today's society is at an all-time high of 40%. If you were to go to young people, it's up to 67%. I said chronic loneliness, not periodic loneliness, not like, oh yeah, I was alone. I felt alone last year at this such and time when I was stranded on an island. It is chronic loneliness. 40% of people in the United States, 67% of young people are saying, I'm chronically lonely. This is why the science in both the mental health experts and physicians are saying now, quote, loneliness is one of the largest health concerns we face today. Imagine that. And how did COVID help that? How did the political and cultural response and the church response to that help that? Or the medical. For example, according to Holton Lundstedt's study in 2015, this is before COVID, loneliness increases your risk of death by 26%. It's as bad for your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. It's worse for you than obesity. It increases your risk of developing coronary heart disease and stroke. It increases your blood pressure. Combined with severe depressions associated with early mortality, and it puts you at a greater risk for cognitive decline and dementia. It's not good that man should be alone. Interesting, though, the experts are quick to point out that having people in your life doesn't cure loneliness. Quote, you can be surrounded by people and feel alone, end quote. So you can be in a home with 20 brothers and sisters and be alone. You can be married and be alone. You can be sleeping with a different person every night and be alone. You could be an extrovert in New York City and be alone. You can have 10 million followers like me and be alone. <laughs> Why? Because loneliness is relational disconnection, not the absence of people. When we're alone, we're not relationally connected. And all the multiplicity of wonders that that entails. That's why there's things called marriage and friendship and homes and communities. And it's to be relationally connected. It's to do life together. It's not good that man should be alone. This is just simply how life works. I mean, it's as simple as like gravity. It's just how life works. I don't have time to argue about it working that way. It's just how life works. So this text gives us four guaranteed ways to be lonely, four guaranteed ways to wreck relationships, four guaranteed ways to drive people away. Four guaranteed ways to burn it all to the ground. Number one, self-praise. Proverbs 27.1, let's put that up. See that do not boast? That's in a middle voice. You know what middle voice means? It means the actor is 
The subject is the actor and the recipient of the action. So the person is boasting in themselves. The person is shining the light on themselves. The person is elevating themselves. The person is what we're calling self-praising. For you do not know what a day will bring. Let another praise you, not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. Everyone gets this. I mean, don't we? I mean, I don't, why do I even have to spend time proving that this is annoying? Right? This is what bullies do. Right? This is what creepy politicians do, right? They self-praise. This is what control freaks do. They self-praise. This is what the kid in the locker room does. They self-praise. I told my boys growing up, I tell Ty this now, and so now I'll tell you, young men. So this is just for the young men. If you find yourself in a dangerous situation, in a bad spot, a really bad spot, forget about the dude talking all the time. Focus on the quiet dude. He's the one you're going to have to deal with, not the one talking. Did you know that over-talking, though, in our relational interactions is a form of self-praise? We don't listen, we talk. We don't ask questions in these relational encounters, we talk. We don't have a real conversation, we talk. Relationally connecting is not happening. We're just talking. Self-praise cannot relationally connect. It's impossible. So if you want to be lonely, the text says self-praise. Number two, accuse and condemn. Look at verse three. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation, a fool's provocation is their accusations and condemnation is heavier than both. This is a picture of heavy and exhausting work. It's actually the picture of the sand on a beach, all of it, and carrying it. Right? And notice that that's exhausting heavy work, stone, sand. But what's worse? Accusation and condemnation from a fool. It's heavier than both. In other words, it's unbearable. Accusation and condemnation crushes spirits, crushes people, disintegrates them. Accusation and condemnation come in the form of, verse 4, wrath, anger, jealousy. See that? Those are all pictures of being overwhelmed by a flood and being swept away. They actually decrease decreate you. These things decreate people. They undo them. They dehumanize them, to use the language today. Uh, Watke, uh, a scholar, says, these are irrational and destructive emotional excitements attached to people who are insufferable and incapable of relationship. Another scholar says it this way, the metaphor depicts them as a spiritual force that is destructive, irrational, and violent. And we all get this too, don't we? We get this relationally. Nobody, even those of us that struggle with anger, we know this not. We know this wrecks relationships. We know this drives people away, right? Everyone knows this. But do we get this culturally? Do we get this ideologically? Do we get this institutionally? Do we get this educationally? When... Accusation and condemnation is the very fiber of these things. It burns everything to the ground. 
It's the playground of the demons. Accusation and condemnation cannot relationally connect. It's absolutely impossible for relational connection to happen. It can't happen. Not only that, if there was any relational connection present, it tears it apart. Number three, need approval. That's people please, fear of man, if if you're looking for other words. Uh, Verse five, better is open rebuke than hidden love. So this is hidden love is talking about this need for approval. So when you have a need for approval, you hide. You, you You can't genuinely love someone. You can't generally enter into the realities of their life, open rebuke. You can't enter in or even speak the truth in love if this is Paul. There's just no reality to it because you need their approval, you need their acceptance, you need to please them so it's not a real relationship. Because if, if you're in a real relationship, you're in a messy relationship because you have two messy people. And so the dynamics of, of people that are messy and in a relationship that you either can be redemptive in it, which means face it, and you sharpen each other and you're open about what's going on and you're communicating what's going on and you're like, hey, did you notice this going on? If you need help in this, my wife is the absolute expert in this. She can step on your shoes without messing up your shine. We, uh, Nancy, uh, well, let's just do this. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. This is expanding what was just said. Profuse expands hidden love or the kisses of an enemy. In other words, the need for approval is so strong that even an enemy that you don't like, you're still wanting them to like you. The most popular famous kiss in all the world is not Romeo and Juliet. It's Judas right before he betrays Jesus. Nancy and I had one of these aha conversations way back at the beginning of church planning. When I was at the beginning of the church planning, I, I was around college kids. I did campus ministry all the time. And so in campus ministry, you're always loved. In campus ministry, you're always liked. In campus ministry, you're always the hero. In campus ministry, everybody looks up to you. In campus ministry, it was awesome. And then I got into the adult world and planted a church. And we had one of these aha conversations. She came up to me after one of these difficult times in the planting the church, and she says, Honey, you can't trust those people that over-elevate you. They're going to be the first ones to tear you down. There's a pastor, famous proverb that goes like this. Beware of the person who tells you you're the greatest preacher and pastor since the Apostle Paul. They're going to be the first to throw a stone. People-pleasing, right? The need for approval is loneliness in action. It's completely self-absorbed. It's completely self-centered. It's completely, it's another form of self-praise. It's just needing it now from people. Got it? All right, the last one. Number four, self-gratify. Let's look at verse seven. Self-gratify. This is being controlled by your desires. They could be good desires or bad desires. In the New Testament, there's a better word. It just says epithume, which means epi-desires. Isn't that awesome? Epi-desires, mega-desires, over-desires. 
It can be good things or bad things. If you want peace and comfort in a relationship, is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing. It's a sane thing. It's a normal thing to have peace and comfort in a relationship. But let's say there is conflict and there's hard work that needs to be done in the relationship. When that gets epi, when that gets over, that I need peace and comfort to be happy, you don't do the hard work in the relationship. You don't have the open rebuke dynamic going on. Your love, quote, is hidden. And it's not healthy to you or to them. So let's look at this. This is, one, this is like metaphor on top of metaphor. Again, it, this, all the preaching professors are absolutely wrong when you start preaching Proverbs. Because they have one image after the another image after the another. I mean, they're illustrating all the time in Proverbs. So here we go. One who is full, meaning one who self-gratifies, loathes honey. In other words, when you're self-gratifying, you're over-desiring, it starts ruining your taste for good things. You don't even like honey anymore. It starts changing your perspective to where you're over-desiring. Now the the normal desire of health and honey and the sweetness of honey, you don't like anymore. That's what's happening there. And then, but to the one who's hungry, everything is bittersweet. This is just saying the same thing in a negative way. In other words, when you're self-gratifying, you're never satisfied. You're always hungry, right? And now everything that is not good for you has become sweet to you. I mean, we know this. We know this about food, right? I mean, come on. Everybody knows this about food. Changing your diet is hard. You have established desires. You have an established appetite. When you start changing your diet, I mean, come on. It takes time to like a vega hamburger. Or it's just wrong. It takes absolute time to change your taste buds. That's what this is saying. Self-gratifying also has relational consequences. That's what's happening in verse 8. So 7 and 8 go together. 7 is telling you what's happening, self-gratifying. 8 tells you what it does to your relationships. What ends up happening is this. Like a bird, a mother bird. Notice that it's a mother bird. A mother bird strays from its nest. That's unnatural. Self-gratifying breaks up the natural relations. You now stray like a mother bird from her nest is not natural. And then the next one is, is a man, a husband, a father who strays from his home, his wife, his children. Not natural. Self-gratifying strays from the nest. Self-gratifying strays from the home. Self-gratifying strays from relationships. It can't relationally connect. Okay. There you have it. Danger. I wish you would have quit this text on Thursday. I agree. Just stubborn. There are four guaranteed ways to be lonely, wreck your relationships, drive people away, burn it all to the ground. Self-praise, accuse and condemn, need approval, self-gratify. So how do we stop? How do you have any sort of hope for changing in these areas? 
for the sake of loneliness, for the sake of your relationships, for the sake of others? How do we have any hope? Don't miss Proverbs' answer. This is unbelievable. It comes in verse 9. Unbelievable. As we look at this, I want you to realize this is the answer. And I want you to realize what's not the answer. Because what answer were you conjuring up when you were thinking, how does this get solved? Were you conjuring up? What were you conjuring up? Some of the things I wrote down here was like, uh, you need 10 steps. Be this, do this, right? 10 times. You need 10 surrenders. Be this, do this, but this time really mean it. Or 10 ideologies, know this, believe this, do your homework. But notice what it is. Let's read it together. Oil and perfume, which are two very expensive luxuries in the ancient world. Evidently, people really valued that. Evidently, people really wanted it. So if you got it, it would make you incredibly happy to have oil and perfume. Fantastic. I don't know what the equivalent is for you. I don't know what the equivalent is our culture today. For me, I just tell my children, all I want, it's all I want, people. It's all I want from you. After all these years of raising you, all the money I've spent on you, all the emotional drainage, all of it, all I want is a Hummer. That's it. That's all I want. All right, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. You need a friend. But not just any kind of a friend. A friend whose counsel speaks you back to life. A friend whose words make you glad, happy. Not one that, you loser, accuse and condemn. Therefore, expanding the idea, do not forsake your friend, right? Remember, parallelism contrasts, expands, or answers. This is continued expansion. Do not forsake your friend or your father's friend. In other words, friends are a big deal. And do not go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. And he's basically saying, let me explain what I just said by that. Continuing to expand the idea. Better is a neighbor. Well, who's a neighbor in the Bible? A neighbor in the Bible is someone who actually puts together and practices commands 5 through 10, which have to deal with loving people. So your neighbor is someone who actually loves in this text. Better is a neighbor, someone who truly loves you, than a brother who's far away. Do you see it? And it's unbelievable. The answer's right there. It's like the neighbor loves you when? In the day of your calamity. The neighbor loves you in the day of your self-praise. The neighbor loves you in the day of your need of approval. The neighbor loves you when you're an accuser and a condemner. The neighbor loves you when you self-gratify. How do you stop? You need a friend. 
Jesus says to you right now, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Proverbs says, right? Proverbs, look at verse 6. Proverbs says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus, the ultimate wisdom of God, says, faithful are my wounds for you, my friend. My wounds come to you in your self-praise. My wounds come to you in your self-gratifying. My wounds come to you in your accusations and condemnations. My wounds come to you when you're lonely. My wounds come to you when you're driving people away. My wounds come to you when you're burning it all to the ground. Faithful are my wounds for you. You need a friend of sinners. That's how you change. And when you have that friend, because this is the answer from the text. This is not my answer. Oh, yeah. I'm going to stop. It's not my answer. It's the Bible's answer. This is the friend. And when you have this friend, this friend who has faithful wounds for you, you know what happens? That addresses your need for self-praise because you got it from him. It addresses your accusing and condemnation because he doesn't give it to you. Oh, I don't need to be that way. It addresses your need for approval because you have his approval. It addresses your need to self-gratify because he is the most wonderful, beautiful. He is the origin and source of all desire. Every desire that you like is just a scratch that's connected to the source desire. And when that happens, y'all, you can now go and be a good friend. We can now go and connect with each other. We can now do this in our marriages. We can do this with our kids. We can now do this in this community. We are actually free because we have the friend. We are free to learn to be good friends.